It is the Colby Daniels Podcast. What a huge weekend it was for the sporting world. I tried to keep track of everything I watched at some point along the weekend. So I had soccer starting on Saturday morning. I had the NBA. I had Major League Baseball, the NHL, the UFC, horse racing, Formula One, and tennis. Oh, and golf. So what is that? Nine? Nine different sports in the span of like 48 hours from Saturday through Sunday. It was pretty amazing. But locally, all the interest is in Thunder Basketball. Massive win in their debut against the Jazz. I thought they looked exceptional. And they fall short on Monday night against the Denver Nuggets in overtime. Joe Adkins and I have post-game reactions, so that's coming up in just a moment. I think Joe is as good as it gets when talking about basketball and breaking it down and analyzing the game. And he's a a great friend of mine, and I'm really excited to do these post-game live streams with him. So after every Thunder game, we are going to live stream our reaction, and we're calling it the OKC Basketball Team live stream with Colby Daniels and Joe Adkins. So here you go. Thunder go down to the Denver Nuggets, 121-113 in overtime. Our thoughts. It is the OKC basketball team live stream. Do you see what I did there? That seems to be the trend in the sports world these days. I am Colby Daniels along with Joe Adkins. Game number two of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunders eight-game regular season schedule in the bubble has come to an end, Joe. 121-113 was the final in overtime. Denver pulls out the W. I thought the Thunder had this one. They were up by like seven with three minutes left. It felt like they were taking control of this thing, and then it all kind of came off the rails, and and offensively, it kind of seemed like everything disappeared. Yeah, in Oklahoma City, um, it was probably a disappointing loss because you're playing a Denver team without the – still a good team, but without three guys. You you expect to win that game, and – I don't. I didn't think they played extremely well the entire game, but they had found a way to, to to get ahead. And and these are games they normally closed out throughout the season. So it was a little surprising that they kind of got stagnant offensively. But I think it's it's not as big a shock because if Chris Paul really doesn't create those plays, there's a lot of youth on the floor. No matter which, no matter how good guys are, so you still see some of the inexperience. But you definitely want to see those battle tests go on right now, where those guys can kind of prepare to get better. So although you're probably disappointed because you didn't play well, but you still should have won the game. But when you give a team 39 free throws, you're not going to win. Yeah, that was. I, I thought that was pretty tough on both sides. I, the one thing that really stood out to me, Joe, was how much they missed Dennis Schroeder. And I kind of felt like this, whenever, you know, ultimately he was going to have to leave, that was going to be a pretty big obstacle for the, the Thunder to overcome. Not just because he's the guy that leads that second unit and he's, you know, how many times have we watched that second unit make big comebacks or do something to kind of give that first unit energy at the end of a ball game? Not only does he lead that second unit, but he's also one of your best five players. And generally, he's one of the five guys that's on the floor when the game needs to be decided. His absence, I thought, tonight was pretty glaring. Oh, yeah. And and I think we're, we're going to see that throughout the time. He's going to be missed extremely because even when they, when they play that three-guard lineup, it, that's just for any team. It's hard to defend three guys on the perimeter that can get beat you off the dribble. And the one thing those guys tend to do is get to the free throw line. And when you have inexperienced guys, they're not necessarily going to get those calls, and they they're going to settle sometime and maybe take three point shots because they are open. Where those veteran guys are going to 
stick their nose in there and draw fouls and, and find ways to, to get buckets, even when they're struggling to score offensively. So I think they're gonna ta- it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment because they do put the ball in his hands so much that now a lot of the weight is going to be on just Chris Paul and SGA to close out games, which will be a little different, especially for SGA, because he'll get dip- he'll see a Paul George now guarding him in the final two minutes or Kawhi Leonard and see how he can respond. The, the thing that really stood out to me down the stretch, the best player on the floor in this game was Nikola Jokic. He made play after play after play, especially in the overtime. He was kind of the dominant force. I was really excited for this matchup because I think Steven Adams, to me, is a key piece for this Thunder team in this run. And when you go back to those preseason matchups, I felt like Steven Adams looked as good physically as maybe we've ever seen him. He looks light on his feet. His footwork looks good. He's getting up and down the floor quickly. He doesn't look labored and hurt and, uh, you know, all the things that I feel like we've seen from Steven Adams for a couple of seasons now. All of a sudden, he looks like a guy that has a bunch of energy. I thought that... that uh, was very evident in the Utah game against another one of the NBA's best bigs in Rudy Gobert. I thought he had a hell of a game. Tonight, it's a completely different animal. You're, you're playing another elite center, but a guy that is just uh, brings a whole set of different problems in Jokic than Rudy Gobert does. Well, I, I think uh, Stephen Adams, he still was that guy. He was yeah. energetic, but Jokic is just better. I mean, Jokic is by far the most skilled big there is. I mean, he can do everything offensively. I mean, he brings the ball up. So how many centers are used to having to actually cover a guy off the dribble? And so he does something different where he can dribble into his post-ups rather than Steven fighting him, pushing him off the block where he starts on the perimeter. Now Steven can't even use his hands because it's a foul. So for most centers, and although Steven does a decent job for most centers, that's just extremely a tough matchup. But Jokic, just because he can do so much, I mean, you don't want you don't want him. You know he's he's gonna get his. You just don't want him to make those other guys make it make it so easy for those guys. And Michael Porter has a huge game. That that's the things that you want to take away. You can deal with Jokic, but you can't have Michael Porter go for thirty plus on you. You know, I mentioned the Thunder operating without Dennis Schroeder. That was that was key for them, and and you know they weren't really able to ever find somebody to fill those shoes. I think you have to also mention that Denver was without Will Barton and Jamal Murray as well in this matchup, and and. You know, I think when you're talking about what all those guys mean to their team, I mean, Jamal Murray and Will Barton are key pieces to that Denver team. So you can throw out Dennis Schroeder and and him not being there and that being a reason why the Thunder weren't able to overcome. But, you know, Denver was dealing with a, a similar, if not more, pressing type situation. Yeah, and and when you talk about Murray, I mean, he's the second best player on that team. And, I mean, you're talking about a 20-point scorer guy, a, a guy that can get 30 on any given night. He's had some good games against Oklahoma City. And Will Barton, you know, he's he's a, a, a extremely good offensive player. I mean, he, he scores the basketball. So they weren't at full strength. So that's why it's disappointing that you didn't play as well. But I think – when you watch most of the teams in that second game, they didn't play as well. The teams that were really good the first night, they weren't good that second night. The only team probably was Houston because, I mean, they're so perimeter-oriented and they're going to shoot so many threes and they have good enough shooters. They're going to score points. Um, But I I, I thought the Lakers, they were stagnant. I thought Milwaukee was stagnant. I thought Oklahoma City tonight was stagnant. And I think some of that is because although they're in shape and they're, they had that 21 days, they're still going to have to get their legs under them in game shape. And then they're probably having to play a little more than you want them to because you have to hurry up and get those guys in better condition. 
Andre Robertson's a great story. He's a guy that, you know, I think we all celebrated when he got his opportunities in the preseason and, and saw minutes and knocked down some big three-pointers. And there was excitement just, you know, I think on a human level, Joe, for anybody that is dealing with the injury situation he's dealt with that goes two and a half years without playing, finally makes his way back. But as we got into the regular season, especially in Saturday's game against Utah, I questioned how much we were actually going to see him in the regular season. My guess on Saturday was that he was going to get below 10 minutes. I think he ended up with five against Utah. But Billy Donovan showed that he has confidence in him. There, I mean, there were key defensive possessions down the stretch tonight, especially in the, in the potential game-winning opportunity for Denver in regulation. Andre Robertson was on the floor. So I don't think from a physical standpoint he's, he's in condition or, or in, a, in a bad way enough that Billy Donovan is hesitant to use him. I, I think you at least have to feel like physically he's 100% and is able going to be able to react the way that he needs to to defend the best players in the NBA because Billy trusted him in that situation tonight. You know, I'm not worried about Dre. Once I yeah. saw him, I thought he's moving really well. I, I th- kind of thought he had a little more bounce, or maybe it's been so long since I've seen him, <laughs> but I thought he was extremely lively the other night against Utah, and I thought a couple times he really bothered Donovan Mitchell. And uh, that's what you're going to need from him uh, in the playoffs. Um, And he has experience. At the end of the day, you can't teach experience. So he's going to be a guy that's going to have to be on the floor at times because the West is so good offensively where you're going to have to put him on the floor, whether it be you play him at the four or you just have to put him on a guy like James Harden or Paul George just to try to take him away. But I'm surprised we didn't see him more with – Michael Porter and the way he was playing just to try to take him away but I think they're still kind of worried about him a little bit and easing him back into it but I think he is a guy that's going to make his find his way in their rotation and if he makes the three point shot I think that's a bonus but I think some of the things he can do defensively and maybe his reputation defensively will be able to help Oklahoma City because those young guys against those veterans they're going to get the foul they're going to call fouls on them Porter was a tough matchup for OKC, and I didn't really feel like there was anybody physically that could match up with him well. Maybe Baisley physically could, but, I mean, Baisley's still, you know, a, a long way from being polished enough to to be in the game in crucial minutes. Uh, you're exactly right. Robertson may have been the best option, but um, Porter just, I mean, the Thunder didn't have an answer. I, who do they yeah. go to in that situation? I mean, I, I don't think Dort is, is the right kind of guy physically to defend, you know, the kind of, of guy that Porter is. Yeah, I mean, because he just gives up so much size. Yeah. Uh, and, and Michael Michael Porter, I mean, we see why. You remember when he and in oh, college yeah. in Missouri, we heard just how good he was. And Future he was number one overall pick, pick, right? That was yeah, that no was the, the talk. Was hands down. Actually, you know, he was actually Trey Young's teammate on their AU team. Yep. So I saw him. So, I mean, he was phenomenal. And a lot of what you've seen today is what you, that's what made him the with the projected number one pick going into his freshman year it, without injury he would have been because he can score it in multiple facets there's not much he can't do it's just he may find himself lost for minutes because they just have so many guys he's i mean although he's he's really young i 
Will Barton, I mean, he's he's not there yet. I mean, Will Barton is a guy that's proven, and Michael Porter's very young, but he did show some things today, and I'm sure their coaching staff in that organization would <laughs> like to see that because he's a guy that can add another dimension and another guy who can score for, for Denver in that team and make them more dangerous. How would you feel about an Oklahoma City-Denver playoff series if that ends up being the matchup? Because I know it didn't go the Thunder's way. I know that both teams were missing some key players tonight, but – it's a matchup that I, I mean, I, I'm not saying the Thunder would win, but I like how they match up with Denver over the course of a series, potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a matchup where I'm, I like other matchups probably better. Utah? Yes, yeah. most definitely. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just because Jokic is so good, you just don't see that. And you can't account for that no matter what what you do and how you try to prepare for them because when you have a five-man that you can run your offense through and, again, handle the ball, I mean, he takes so much pressure off those other guys like Murray and, and you know, Barton where they can just score. And so he can make it so easy and dominate that I, I don't know – for Adams, I think that's just a tough matchup. And that's for anybody. It's no yeah. discredit to Steven at all. And it's no disrespect. Um, I, I think it's a series that Oklahoma City could win. They they would have to play well because when D- Denver's at full strength and you playing in that you and you playing in the bubble, it's different. But I mean those guys they, they have a lot of firepower. And they have a they have so much more experience when you compare it to Oklahoma City. When you look at Oklahoma City, I'm just like I'm always like, man, they're so young. I mean, although they're really good, it's just like, man, they're really, really young and you're happy that they're playing. Those young players are progressing at that rate. But in the playoffs, we know it's just a different story and you hope those young fellas are ready. But I, I just like, I, I like, you know, maybe matchups like a Houston, maybe not. I, I kind of like Houston because I know they'll be able to score points on them. So it'll be an easier game, but I don't know if they can beat them, but Utah would be definitely the matchup if you say, I want to play. I mean, those are the guys. And plus, you, I mean, they're not at full strength. They're playing without without a guy who averages 20 points a game. And yeah. you saw the last two games. They're really struggling offensively because they their style of play, they need that 20 points. And I don't know if they can find it with other guys. So Houston, is, I mean, excuse me, Utah is probably the best matchup for them. But, I mean, Oklahoma City, I think they're going to be competitive with anyone. Yeah. It's just how well those young guys play and how consistent they can be. Well, and, and you mentioned the matchups. You know, Bogdanovich, I think, does a lot for Utah offensively, not only in, in what he brings from a scoring standpoint, but what he kind of opens up for everybody else. And, you know, we talked about how Porter was kind of a bad matchup for Dort. It, Donovan Mitchell's the perfect matchup for Dort. I, I thought those. I thought Dort played terrific on Saturday. Yeah. Because Mitchell is a guy that attacks the rim and he can't, his size doesn't bother Dort. Right. When he bumps Dort, he's able to he, to take the contact and still stay in defensive position. So it is a really good matchup for Oklahoma City and, and Dort did a pretty good, did a really good job against him. I thought for the minutes Dre, he did. So I think Oklahoma City, they kind of, they, they've kind of got their number now. And I think early Rudy Gobert used to kind of bother Adams but he's found a way now to start scoring around the basket even when he catches on the post and have success against Gobert so I like Steven he may not outplay but he's going to be able to give you some give you some things offensively and help you um so 
they're just not as good without that 20 points. I mean, that that's a lot to ask from other guys when you just play th- that style of basketball and they're trying to change how they play in the middle of the season. Yeah. But I will say this, the one thing about the, the older teams is that that gym is a lot easier to shoot in when you don't have all that. <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, I was I, that was one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Because yeah. and, and I talked about this on the Shot You Take podcast over the weekend with John. Um, I, I said, I feel like if we kind of keep track of shooting percentages, we're going to see across the board everybody's shooting percentages go up for a couple reasons. Number one, when you, when you remove, I think, the, you know, the, the away game type element for role players, that's going to make those guys feel a lot more comfortable. And, and how many times do we talk about home court advantage and how it may not impact guys like Chris Paul and guys like Nikola Jokic, but it absolutely impacts guys like Darius Baisley and those other guys, whether they're getting cheered or booed or, you know, are in a normal rhythm or doing something that's that's maybe a little bit unnatural to them in terms of, you know, their their daily routine. So so you remove that element, but just the static background of this gym versus being in an arena where, you know, behind the basket is a giant cavern of fans going crazy and all this movement, like I, I feel like anytime I've shot in an arena, if there's seats behind and a lot of movement behind, or it's just like your, your local gym that's just got a, you know, a goal and a wall behind it, everybody shoots better in that static type of, of situation. Most definitely. I mean, that's what all those guys are accustomed to when they work out in the summer. There's, you know, there's the depth perception. There's not a problem. So it's so much easier to find the rim. And... I, I think it's going to be exciting because you do see, and, and make no mistake, and I, I've told people, I know people were saying, and I heard people talking, well, maybe they're just not going to be as rusty. They're going to be so rusty, the, the basketball is going to be ugly. And me, I kind of thought the other way is in saying that anytime you have the NBA, those are the best basketball players you have in the world. Take them not being able to party, <laughs> then they become a lot better at what they yeah. do because there's no distractions. I mean, they have nothing to do, but, I mean, they probably stay up late or talk, but they get to sleep all day. I mean, if you're not going out to the club or anything and you're getting up and all you have is a gym and you only have 10 acres, I mean, they're going to spend a lot more time focusing on basketball. So I think that's why you saw some of the way guys yeah. play. So I think you've seen guys who you don't really see – do things like whoa okay because i mean they just have so much it's nothing else to do but focus in on the game so i think they're going to be more sharp in the way they shoot the basketball as we're talking about than what we normally see and with the depth perception helping them that i mean it, it looks a lot better offensively than what we were accustomed to seeing well and and remember we always used to kind of laugh when we would hear players talk about how much better andre robertson was shooting inside the practice gym versus what we see in games. And then all of a sudden, he's kind of in that same environment for those preseason matchups, and all of a sudden, he's like a sniper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it's just, you know, you always prepare yourself for the game, and when you're shooting like that, that's just what you do your whole life is you're in a gym where just like that. Yeah. And there's nothing behind it, and, and you just able to see it. So I'm sure that everyone is just much more comfortable. I don't know how much all these guys are seeing – you know, everybody else during the days and during the days off and, and kind of what the, you know, what the life is like in the bubble outside of what they're doing in game situations. But the one thing that I, I think was really interesting to me is just the thought of a normal NBA matchup in February, 
you play a team, you lose, you're getting on a plane and you're headed to the next game. And it's just, it's a very quick, you know, I've, I've got to travel now. And, and, you know, there's so much happening to kind of move past that game and go to the next one. When all the same dudes are around all the time and you're not traveling and you may be playing somebody else in two days, but the guys you just lost to, you're still walking by on the sidewalk every afternoon. Like, <laughs> In my mind, that would create an even better type of competitive situation among these guys. Most definitely. I, I mean, I'm just waiting on it to happen. There's going to be a fight at some point. I mean, I, I'm sure those guys are starting to get tired of each other. I mean, because there's no women. There's no, <laughs> there's nothing. I mean, you're asking those guys to like for 90 days. man. You actually believe that? Man, listen. <laughs> I'm mean, telling there is an entire floor in a hotel that's that's just completely dedicated to that. I guarantee it. Well, if the NBA did that, that <laughs> it is the best league in the world. <laughs> now, I'm not saying it's NBA sanctioned. I mean, maybe a rep from the Players Union was like, look, we're just going to take this into our own hands. We're going to smuggle in some goods. That's super cool. The 13th cool. floor of this hotel is the place to be. That's super cool if they're able to do that. Then, Go do what you got to do. Hey, I... I, I I definitely would understand, and, and <laughs> it's been the whole time. I'm just like, man, that that's gonna get that's crazy. Rough. It's gonna be a lot of testosterone going around there. So, it's uh, I, I think, but for the most part, I've been really entertained. I've enjoyed it. Um, disappointed that the Thunder lost because they should have won that game. You'd like to see them win that, especially with the standings going the way they are. Teams, you know that man, they could go anywhere from four to seven, so yeah. maybe even three. So you would like to get a win like that because you, you had the game, had it really won and you normally close it out. But I think in the long run, it'll help them because you need that experience. And, and Chris Paul is going to have to maybe even, he's going to have to even be as super as he's been in all four quarters without, uh, without Schroeder right now, he's going to have to be even better. Yeah. Again, I thought uh, when they were up by, I want to say it was about seven points. Yeah. Seven points with like just over three minutes left. They had all the momentum. Denver was struggling. I just kind of felt like at that point they had kind of grabbed control of the game. And literally the moment that I thought, okay, they've grabbed control of this game. They're up by seven, three minutes to go. They have all the momentum. It's like somebody went and flipped a switch and it just, it all flipped. Like it was crazy how they just all of a sudden couldn't find offense. Denver then felt the urgency, turned it up, started getting some some buckets that they needed, getting some stops. And, and again, I, it just kind of felt like... A, the Thunder found themselves in some, like, lethargic dream to close it out. Yeah, and then you had some things. I mean, you know, Chris Paul and SGA missed some free throws in, in, yeah. in some crucial situations, and they haven't done that very often. So, you know, Chris Paul could have put Oklahoma City up one, and then he, but he misses the free throw. So, you know, that that's one that you probably not night in and night out, you'd take your chances with him at the line with three seconds on the clock. And then because, you know, Oklahoma City, they get to stop at the end of the game. So you really could win that one. So I, I think as they're disappointed. But I think some of those guys, you, you're going to see better effort because personally, I think they just didn't play well. They got and they got what they wanted. They just weren't as smooth. And, and I think some of that had to do with legs and conditioning. But but it's saying that you, you got to make the plays. And when it came to crunch time, that last three minutes and winning time, Oklahoma City just didn't play well at all. And Denver made every play they needed to make yeah. to get back to the game and force the overtime. And then once they did that, they they just were able to kind of skate away. And Oklahoma City, the inconsistency just continued to show. And, and you get beat. I mean, 
it, it's a tough one and disappointing because you know that's one you you had in the bag. Especially one that was ugly anyway. I mean, win or lose, this was an ugly performance, I think, overall, especially compared to how well they played in almost every area against Utah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, I think it's tough to let this one get away when it kind of felt like they had control of it, even with a, a rocky performance. But, Joe, after two games, like, where do you think they are? How do you feel about this team after the two matchups versus maybe what you were kind of expecting or potentially wondering how they would show up? Well, I, I, I still like Oklahoma City. I, I mean, they should be 2-0. I mean, yeah. although they lose this one, I, I think although they didn't, they weren't as smooth offensively, they just didn't shoot it as well. But I thought they got good, great looks. I thought the ball move was still there. They they got good shots. I think um, that unless um, you take away that last three minutes, they probably would like to do that all over again. But you talk throughout the game, they were able to get good looks. Um, defensively, I, I think they've they've been solid. The first night, of course, Utah, not as good offensively. I thought they really bogged those guys down, but it may be because Utah's just not as good offensively. And Denver is a team that, that has a lot of guys that can score in a lot of different ways. And then, again, you just have a guy in Jokic that can dominate a game so differently than what you're accustomed to seeing a big do. So, I mean, I think you're okay with, 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 with what happened because you know you gave that one away. And as I said, you have guys like a Chris Paul at the line with only a couple seconds that misses a free throw then. I, I can live with that one when I go in the locker room because I know he'll take that personal and, and those guys, he'll have them ready to play. Hey, before we get out of here, uh, Billy Donovan was named Co-Coach of the Year by the National Basketball Coaches Association today. I thought it was there was a, a number of coaches that that actually could have won. I, I mean, but but I thought Billy Donovan was definitely well deserving. I mean, no one coming into the season, no one expected these guys to be where they are and to win as many games as they have. I'm in, I'm I mean, in that camp for sure. I, I mean, I, I definitely thought they would be in the lottery. Um, but a lot of us thought that Chris Paul wouldn't be here, and I, I think um, Chris Paul's just been the ultimate pro, and I think he's played so well. It, it, it would be it would have been hard for anyone else in the league. I don't know if there's another point guard that could have done what he's done, because just the type of leader he is and how he plays, he's allowed those young guys to develop so much in this season that it, it's a huge difference. I mean, it's not a, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to Russ. I love Russ, but if Russ was the point guard for this team, Oklahoma City just wouldn't be as good because young guys wouldn't have got the opportunities to develop and, and kind of come into their own like we're seeing those guys do. And a lot, that, a lot of that has to do with Chris Paul and not only the way he communicates, but how he shows those guys. He trusts them and he, he gives them and breeds confidence in those guys rather than a guy like Russ that may scowl and maybe beat them down a little bit where Chris, Chris Paul has been a guy that's just been so positive for him. I think he's made it so much easier and more comfortable for everyone to play and play well. When, when somebody has asked me in the past whether Billy Donovan is a good coach or not, I, I've kind of always just went the route like we don't really know because I've never had the impression it was actually his team, right? It's always been Russell Westbrook's team. Well, I mean, obviously Kevin was here first and then, you know, Kevin bolts. But th for, 
from that point on, it was Russell Westbrook's team. It wasn't Billy Donovan's team. And so I, I, I had a hard time making an argument for or against him in terms of how good of a coach he was because I don't really feel like we ever really knew because it wasn't his team. Russell Westbrook leaves. It becomes his team. You have a, a complete group that buys in, and then they have the team success that we've seen this year. Uh, so I, I think that this season has gone a long way into you know, figuring out who Billy Donovan is as a coach. I also, and, and you know, I, I'm not trying to shit on Russell Westbrook, but I also do think this season in some ways validates some of the Russell Westbrook criticisms in terms of him being a team guy and, you know, listening to what the coaches are saying and, you know, being asked to do things that he ne- didn't necessarily want to do. Yeah, and, and, and as, I mean, no matter what kind of fan you are, Russ, you just have to recognize that if, that he's just this team and what the organization was, it just wouldn't be a success for them, and they would be heading into a rebuild. And Chris Paul, like I said, I don't think there's any many guys who would come in and have success with this type of ball club. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to do this because I think it makes you, as an organization, have to take a look at things because you are competitive and and against the elite teams, you you haven't really won, but you've been right there, so you're not far away, but you have a lot of draft choices. You have a lot of things you can do. So if you're Sam Presti, even if you get beat in the first round, it probably would be disappointing because, of course, you want to go further, but I think they would know their, their leaps and bounds ahead of where they thought they'd be and they still have stockpiled so much so they can do so many different things that he'll have a lot of pieces to end up playing with because of the success of this team and because you never know maybe those young guys have shown enough to another team the way hey you can piece something together and get another guy anything but with Russ you probably wouldn't have had that because he's a guy that was so ball dominant and was trying to score where you have a guy in Chris Paul who's a truly pass first guy and been just a closer more for these guys these young guys and being a veteran for them by the way how, how good has Russell Westbrook been in Houston and and specifically last night down the stretch like he gets the ball in the perimeter I think under a minute left and I'm thinking, this is where Russ for OKC pulls the trigger from three. Like, damn, all these people telling me to go to the to the bucket. I'm shooting it. And what does he do? He goes to the bucket. And I just had this thought, like, Thunder fans everywhere are like, come on, dude. Why didn't you do that in Oklahoma City? Well, Russ probably would never admit it, but I think he's uh... – he kind of humbled himself. And when you talk about since January 1, Russ, you could very well argue he's up for MVP. He's been really good. Really good. He's shot over 50%, in which we haven't seen Russ ever do that, especially this late in the season. And he, the team that he has now is kind of what we envisioned they needed in Oklahoma City, where they spaced them around a lot of shooters. Which also helps him get to the bucket, and you know, because the the paint isn't nearly as busy. Oh, yeah. He doesn't see as many bodies at the rim because Houston does space you so well. So I think 
for him now he's playing more one-on-one so he will go to the basket and he won't bail out and and he's just decided that he's not going to shoot many threes and and we know if he doesn't do that there's not many guys better because he can still bring it every night so i think it's a, just a, been a better situation for both guys and it's it's made them uh, i think it's kind of made them both energetic and kind of bounce back and uh i think they're both happy where they are yeah I, I kind of want to see a Thunder Rockets playoff matchup. Just, I mean, the storylines write themselves. You know, it's it's Chris Paul <laughs> just leaving Houston. It's Russell Westbrook and his former team. I mean, there's just there's so much to unpack in what that series would look like. Although, oh, yeah. I, I hate to say it, probably around the All-Star break when, or maybe before the All-Star break, if you had asked me at that point, I probably would have picked the Thunder to win that series. I, I don't know now. I kind of feel like maybe... Maybe Houston takes it, but we'll see. I, I, the Thunder, to me, I, tonight was a really good example of what scares me about this team in a postseason series is what they're going to have to do offensively in the final, like, five minutes of a game when they have to get half-court offense and they have to have guys make shots from the outside. And it kind of really, I think, at times shows their offensive deficiencies. And when you can't score in the final few minutes, and we saw it tonight, when things kind of really buckle down, sometimes it's really hard to – I mean, these are the best players in the world. It's, it's really hard to get buckets in that stretch, and that's my biggest fear for the Thunder is when they get there at the end in that situation where every possession potentially means the game and all five of the other team's defenders are you know, on high alert and not letting you get anything easy, can the Thunder generate enough offense to win those types of games? Yeah, and, and, and we're going to see. It's going to be tough because I, I think a lot of teams at, in the, at the end of games, they're going to try to take that ball out of Chris Paul's hands and make other guys beat them. And uh, I, I think that's probably the recipe to beat Oklahoma City because you want to see if those young guys can make those plays and put them in those situations. And who knows? They may answer the bell. Hopefully they'll be ready. But, you know, it, it, we know that's going to be the way teams attack them is make those young guys beat them. And the only thing that scares me about that Houston series is that, as you said, when the game slows down and it gets in the half court, I mean, there's not – many guys that are better than James Harden and Russell Westbrook when you just when the game yep. slows down and you're playing the way they play because you know they've been in those moments and, and they're gonna they're, they, they've been there and um, they have something to prove of course definitely going against Oklahoma City but um, it would be interesting because Steven could have his way but Oklahoma City can match up with Houston probably better because they can play so many different guys because you can play a Baisley at the four or the five or Andre at the four or the five against those guys to match up. It's just, do you know what you're going to do offensively? So I don't think it's as bad as most teams. I thought Milwaukee really struggled with it with their lineups last night. They just couldn't find guys that could always match up because you do want to make them pay for playing so small. But sometimes the, the ability when they can make those threes, they make them so fast. They yeah. make you have to make an adjustment. And um, so it kind of takes you out your game plan. So you, you have to stay with it. And, and they're going to shoot 63s whether you play good defense or bad defense. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't matter. You just got to make them take tough shots. And then those could lead to easy baskets for you. But I thought they were much better in the last couple minutes against Milwaukee than we've seen. They were able to kind of bog those guys down. So it's just we know they're not going to do it for that long period of time. So can you 
score enough to where you make them play for behind and maybe force them to have to do some things they don't want to do to beat them. But it, they'll definitely be a tough out just because how they're going to play with that style. If anything, I think they're going to make some team use a, expend a lot of energy because they have so many small guys running yeah. around. So yeah. you don't want to extend the series with those guys if you, you're a Lakers or a Clippers or anything and they have that capability just because they have those two guys. Yeah. Speaking of the Lakers, that's the matchup on Wednesday for the Thunder. 5.30 tip. Well, I think if the Lakers win tonight, I think they they seal the one seed. So it'll be if they even want to play their guys. So hopefully they don't. Oklahoma City could get a win. But you definitely, if LeBron was playing, it, it would definitely be exciting. And those guys still probably need a little condition. So you'll see a little bit of them. But if, if Utah happens to, to win that game, then we'll get the full Lakers game. And we'll yeah. really see, you know, with four games to go, you know, teams will really probably start trying to turn it up and, and get ahead as they head into those playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how they would match up, just even although they won't play the Lakers, just against another elite team in a championship team to maybe either build confidence or maybe even maybe lose a little confidence. Let's do it again Wednesday. All right, man. I'll holler at you later. He is Joe Adkins. I am Colby Daniels. This is the OKC basketball team live stream. Thunder go down in overtime, 121-113 to the Denver Nuggets. It's the Lakers on Wednesday night, 5.30 tip-off. Myself and Joe Adkins with you after the game to break it down. Joe, appreciate it, buddy. All righty. Bring the drinks next time. I got you. All right, man. The OKC basketball team live stream with Colby Daniels and Joe Adkins. We look forward to talking to you after the Laker game on Wednesday night. Stay tuned for that. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. If you're looking for our live stream immediately after the game ends, check my Twitter account at Colby underscore Daniels. I will tweet the Periscope feed so that you can come hang out with us. And and obviously, we welcome your comments as well. So this has been the Colby Daniels Podcast. I love you guys. Stay safe. And I will talk to you next time. Podcast is over.